the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, July the 13th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on July 13, 1965, President Lyndon B. Johnson, he nominated Thurgood Marshall to be U.S. Solicitor General. Marshall became the first black jurist appointed to the post, but two years later, Johnson nominated Marshall to the U.S. Supreme Court. Today in 1787, Congress, under the Articles of Confederation, enacted the Northwest Ordinance, establishing rules for governing the uh, Northwest Territory, for admitting new states to the Union, and limiting the expansion of slavery. It's interesting how when we hear about the Northwest Ordinance, they're not talking about back in 1787, they're not talking about Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Back then, the Northwest Territory was present-day Midwest and upper Midwest. That was way out west, and it was the Northwest. Today in 1863, deadly rioting against the Civil War military draft that erupted in New York City went on for several days. Edward Joseph Flanagan was born today in County Roscommon, Ireland, today in 1886. We know him as Father Flanagan, the founder of Boys Town. Today in 1939, Frank Sinatra made his first commercial recording from the bottom of my heart. He did so with, if you like music, old music, some of the classic music. He recorded that album with, uh, and that song with Harry James and his orchestra. Today in 1972, George McGovern received the Democratic presidential nomination of his party's convention. They were in Miami Beach, that convention. Today in 2006, Israel imposed a naval blockade against Lebanon. They blasted the Beirut airport and army air bases. Hezbollah had been firing dozens of rockets into Israel. Israel responded. Ten years ago today, California became the first state in the nation to add lessons in their curriculum about gays and lesbians to their social studies classes was required in public schools under a measure signed by Governor Jerry Brown. And five years ago today, President Barack Obama said, we've had enough of this, and he called for a meeting, a private meeting at the White House. He brought in a few elected officials. He brought in a few law enforcement leaders, and he brought in the some members and the leaders of Black Lives Matter. He said, we're going to have a conversation, and we're going to ensure that we will not have rioting and violence in the streets of America. We're going to build trust. Boy, that didn't work out very well, did it? Liberals, progressives are always wanting to talk and hypothesize. 
How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? That's what's gotten us to where we are today in America. Barack Obama had this conversation with the Black Lives Matter movement leaders. Both of them have said publicly, they're trained Marxists. You don't have a conversation and expect any kind of positive results to come from it with people who are trained Marxists trying to bring down a nation that is a capitalist free nation. But that's, of course, the progressive way. A lot of people watch Jeopardy, has high ratings, it always has high ratings. Every night if you watch Jeopardy, every time it airs, you hear this voice come on there. And you welcome the, he, this voice welcomes the, uh, the guests. This is so-and-so from such-and-such such a place and so on. And then it, for years, the voice said, and the host, you know, now it's the guest host. It's no longer Alex Trebek, but it's the guest host. That voice is Johnny Gilbert. Sometimes they walk out there and say, thank you, Johnny. Johnny Gilbert has a birthday today. How old do you think he is? 60, 70? Oh, no. He's 93 today. And he's still talking. Doing it pretty well on Jeopardy. 93 years old today. Johnny Gilbert. So when you uh, are watching Jeopardy and you hear that voice there, just know that 65 isn't necessarily a good time to quit living and stop doing what you like to do. And Johnny Gilbert is pretty good example of that. I got this letter in the mail recently. It's like a lot of the letters we get. It's not a letter. It's a note. It's a handwritten note with a check, a very generous check. It says, hi, Gary. We really appreciate your program. It's such a fine, it's, it's such a fine food for our heart and soul, as well as insight into politics. Our times are so worrisome. We can only wish that he comes quickly. Talking about the Lord, of course. Thank you for that, and thank you for that just kind note of encouragement and amen to the Lord coming quickly. I do believe that the time of the coming of the Lord is, is uh, it, I think our world is being conditioned to accept the incredible fallout in the world when the Christians, when the believers in Jesus Christ are no longer here. I believe we are being conditioned now to accept the things that the prophets have said will happen in the end times. And I believe that we are in that time period. Nobody knows when the Lord is going to return. That is not a known factor. Jesus himself said only the Father knows. But I believe that we are in those times now. And I think most of us have that sense in our heart. And I identify with what uh, this uh, husband and wife are saying in their note to me. So, yeah, I think we're living in extraordinary times. We need to be prepared. We need to be informed. We need to know what's going on. Then I got this note, and this is a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to share it today because I think it's appropriate to share it today. Gary, your program has been better lately. We do not, we get tired of the transgender stuff. They said a contribution to the ministry. 
Well, I hope that we're getting better. Every day we give it our best shot. And I've been talking for a long time, most of my life. In fact, in fact, <laughs> I'm told I started talking very young. But I have uh, spent my life sharing the gospel, sharing God's truth in whatever position or venue that God has given me. That's been a youth pastor, a music pastor, a real pastor, a senior pastor, missionary evangelism, and years and years and years on radio and television, which overlaps some of the other things. No, I'm not 250 years old. But we've done a lot in our life, and most of it has involved talking. So I'm glad that the program is getting better. I appreciate that. And I agree with you, the person that wrote that note, the husband and wife who wrote that note. I agree with you. I, too, am sick and tired of this transgender stuff. I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. But I want you to know that that movement is shaping the culture of America with a very complicit president in the Oval Office today. Very complicit president. He may not know where he is or what he's doing most of the time. And I don't say that with disrespect. It's just a fact. But boy, he's zeroed in on this whole transgender, LGBTQ, all that stuff. He's there. And they have not had a better friend and a stronger advocate in the White House in the history of this country than the man that's there now. I don't know why he is, but for some reason he's committed his heart and soul to that movement. And he's not timid about telling the public that. But I understand. I'm sick of it, too. I wish we never had this conversation on this program, but we have to have it. And we're going to have a bit of a conversation about that today. Because now the Journal of Medical Ethics, which is a secular, highly recognized journal, has published an article that says parents should lose veto power over their little children who want to change sex. Well, I'm not talking about Joe Biden. I'm talking about the medical. Follow the science, they say. Well, if you follow the science, that's where it's taking us right now. I often look to the Old Testament for historical context. The Old Testament is the inspired word of God. I know there are some out there today that say that it, it isn't, that we need to... I think it was Andy Stanley said here last year sometime, within the last year, in a sermon, he said, we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament and focus on the New Testament. No, we don't. That isn't right. He's dead wrong. The Old Testament and the New Testament are God's complete word to us. His inspired, infallible word of God. And we need to look at the Old Testament for what it is. It is God's inspired word. And we need to look at it for his truth. And we need to look at it for historical context in what God is saying to his people through his word. So I look to the Old Testament for that, for sure. And the New Testament is merely a fulfillment. It's not a different book, a different gospel, a different message. It's the same God. And the New Testament is a fulfillment of what we see in the Old Testament. And that fulfillment is in the Son of God who became flesh and dwelt among us, 
Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. His death on a cross provided us life and that eternal if we accept him. So God's word is not like, well, the Old Testament, that was good for those old guys, but we don't need that anymore. We don't need to unhitch from that. We need to unhitch from the world, Andy. And we need to take God's word and use it as a light and a lamp to guide us. And then we will not find ourselves in the difficulties that we find ourselves in personally and collectively as a nation. Looking at the writings of Moses in Deuteronomy, he was talking about it. There's a greater context here, and I don't have time to get into that. If this were Wednesday night Bible study, we'd go into that a little bit, but I don't have time today for that. But many of you understand But he's talking about in the context of disobedience. God's people, when they disobey, bad things happen. And that, I mean, that's the context in chapters, many chapters in Deuteronomy, but chapter 28 in particular. But in that respect, in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, he's writing about the importance of family, and he's writing about the importance of our children as a heritage, and in particular, as it relates to God's kingdom, the Lord's family, the people of God. And there are some ominous verses in chapter 28 in Deuteronomy. For example, verse 32, he talks about, Moses talks about, your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all day long. And there will be no strength in your hand. In other words, you will see the calamity, but there will be nothing you can do. In verse 41, he comes back to that again. You shall beget sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. He talks about that periodically through these chapters of Deuteronomy. There is that time in human history when we see our children, and they are our flesh and blood. We They were birthed from that union of marriage. But we see them being given away to someone else, and that's exactly what I'm talking about today. The Journal of Medical Ethics. Parents should lose veto power if their child wants to transition from a boy to a girl or a girl to a boy. That is insane. And doctors are standing there with a straight face saying, yep, that yes, that's what we need to do. We need to support these five and six and seven-year-old kids. We're crazy. We have lost our minds. Insanity has overtaken the academic world. It's unbelievable. And as though it weren't enough, now the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir has introduced this new song. And I would even mention them, except they have influence. They travel and do concerts all over the place and people swoon and they go, oh my, what, how wonderful it is. It's bizarre. But they've come out with this new song and there was such a pushback, thankfully, that they've taken it off their website. But this new song that they wrote, the lyrics are, are, are haunting because they mean them. Some of the lyrics say, we'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly. You won't barely notice it. We'll convert your children. I'll come back to that because there's more. That's what they're saying. 
So one would say, who cares about a homosexual choir from San Francisco? I don't. Except when they put out a message that is so revealing, we should know what the message is. And we should know that there is this driving satanic force behind this movement. And it isn't about freedom and it isn't about being able to be yourself and if you feel like a girl and you're a boy, just be the girl and all. It isn't about that. It's about conquering and it's about grooming children. And they have sort of turned on the light on themselves in writing the words of this song. But the Journal of Medical Ethics, this article last week calling for parents who oppose the hormonal and surgical transformation of their child to lose their veto power regarding that decision. Following the science. Unbelievable. It's disgusting. It's a subject that, like I said, I don't want to talk about. But that's where we are in this culture. And if we don't talk about it, we're not going to know. And if we close our hearts and our minds and our eyes to what's going on in our culture, that is not pleasing to God because Jesus himself said, you are the salt and the light. You are. So if you're going to withdraw so that you don't hear anything that you don't want to hear or is offensive, that isn't pleasing to God because God wants you to be in the darkness but not conform to the darkness, to be the light and the salt. Salt preserves, light exposes. Light exposes truth. And that's what he wants us to do as his people, as his followers. The Christian Post published this article about the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir, and a lot of pastors were responding, and I said, praise the Lord. I would have preached a sermon on this if I were still pastoring, but I don't know if any of them did, because there's something that needs to be known and taken from this. But this San Francisco Gay Men's Choir, they travel, they perform extensively, they have a sphere of influence, and people that aren't in that gay community sort of treat them as though they are sort of the ambassadors of that community. They released this new song a few weeks ago. Now they've taken it off their website because of the backlash. But there's more than a mere backlash that's needed, in my opinion. There must be action on the part of every parent, grandparent, and Christian leader. And I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. The lyrics repeatedly say, and this, this is, these are the lyrics, We'll convert your children, and we're coming for your children. This is a song that they perform. The lyrics continue. You think we're sinful. You fight against our rights. Then a socialist I mean, a soloist, a socialist, a soloist comes in and sings this part, this guy by himself. And they're kind of humming in the background. You say we all lead lives you can't respect, but you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. Then the full choir comes in and sings, You can keep them from the disco, warn about San Francisco. Make them wear pleated pants, we don't care, we'll convert your children. We'll make them tolerant and fair. The gay agenda is coming home. 
The activists are now claiming that the far-right conservatives have taken this completely out of context. That's what they're saying. They say, we didn't intend this to be truth. We, it was just tongue-in-cheek. It was a joke. We made it out. It's a big deal. It's not a big deal. Let's forget about it. Let's move on. Let's make some progress. <laughs> the Glee Club has quickly pivoted from being the aggressor to becoming the victim. They always do that. Progressives always do that. Ben Shapiro, he doubts it was tongue-in-cheek. So do I. I know it isn't. So do most clear-thinking people. Thus the backlash. Shapiro is a well-known, well-read conservative. He's not a professing Christian, but he says, I don't believe them. (laughs) He said, the left has a very different vision of what America ought to be, and the way they're going to achieve this is by changing how your kids are taught. He wrote about it, got his attention. Shapiro said, and quote, and if you push back on them, of course, that makes you the the true threat to the kids. If you want to separate the country, this is how you're going to separate the country. And I say, I'm going to educate my kids how I want to educate my kids. Frankly, I'm not interested in what the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir thinks my kids should learn. Agreed. But it isn't just the men from San Francisco. This song ends with these words. No escaping it. And once the children are converted, they will start converting you. The Medical Journal published for peer review an article by Maura Priest. She's a candidate professor at Arizona State University in which she is strongly advocating that parents should lose veto power over the most, almost all transition-related pediatric care. She says, just like Fauci, follow the science. Yeah, right. Priest writes in the journal, quote, Trend medical science should defer to the children's wishes once they decide that the children are informed and competent. To make a lifetime decision over the medical health, sexual relations, and reproductive choices. Most of her article is hidden. I wrote an article on this today on our website, faithandfreedom.us, and I linked to her article. Most of her article is shielded by a paywall. In other words, you have to buy a subscription to read those. We buy at this ministry here, we buy a number of subscriptions, not to that, but to New York Times, you know, Chicago Tribune, a bunch of them that I I need to read. I read every day. And there's now online a subscription fee that we pay to that. That's one of the expenses we have each month in doing this program. There are many. But anyway, this has a paywall, so you can only read a part of it. But I I linked it to that so you can read what's there. But you can also go to PubMed.gov, a website, and I put that on there as well. And and you can find the whole article that she wrote. Just to verify that we are very, very careful in what we say on this program to get it right. And that's what she's saying in this um, article that she wrote. There is nothing, I don't think, more or less than an attempt at a power grab by homosexual activists and others seeking to diminish the parents' role in raising and educating their children involved in this. I don't personally believe that even Joe Biden is that all in on homosexual behavior. I really don't believe, I think he sees a political angle there, even in his diminished cognitive skills. 
he sees a, a, an angle there that, that works for him politically. I could be wrong. I'm just evaluating as, as I see it. I've never had a conversation with Joe Biden, don't care to, even as president, but no one's invited me and I haven't had. But that's what I see in this man. That, that's my take on him and a lot of others. But many thousands of boys and girls in the whole context of this, this bizarre, satanic, really, movement, boys and girls have been nudged and pulled and pushed into declaring that they feel psychological distress over male and female, that I, I know I'm a boy, but I, I, I kind of feel like a girl. And they say, well, you may be. I mean, that's why you're having those feelings. And they enhance this and they nurture it. Dr. Will Malone is a doctor that writes a lot, and he's well-respected. He said this is currently, he said there is currently no convincing evidence that hormonal or surgical interventions improve the long-term mental or physical health of young children. They have gender dysphoria. They're just confused. They need help. They don't need to be affirmed in their confusion. They need to be helped and led in their confusion. And without scientific evidence, the Biden administration is following their stumbling leader, who is eager to accelerate, as he said the other day, the support of claims of these people that they deserve treatment, these children. And now medical science is calling on the parents to be dismissed from the process because they will try to veto it. They won't want that to happen to their children, so we've got to legally take the parents out of the mix. That's what this woman is calling for in the medical journal. There are thousands of testimonies of children who have gone on puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and all of this stuff, and it is a disaster. It is child abuse in its lowest form. Do you know there's a movement now that's been started primarily by kids and it's called the detransition movement? And these kids are saying, what was I thinking? What was I doing? And little girls have had, as they say, top surgery to make themselves look more like a boy. And now they're saying, I wish I could do it over again. I wish I wouldn't have done this. There's so much regret as well as physical and health implications. Anyone with an ounce of common sense should be outraged over this. Arizona pastor and apologist Jim White, James White, he tweeted after he read this, he said, reason number one, 1,462,908 homeschool communicators. He said, a passionate, deep Christian worldview that explains how men are to be men, women to be women, and all to be thankful for the gifts and roles that God has given them. Every Christian parent should seriously consider and prayerfully consider homeschooling your children. Public education is no longer the school you went to. It doesn't matter where it is. Everything has changed in public education. They do not focus on math and reading and the basics and civics and, and correct history. It's all about, it's all about indoctrination in one form or another. The other, that the, the, the actual education is almost, almost ancillary to the real agenda today. It's a social agenda that leaves out the most fundamental, basic components of an education. Consider prayerfully so homeschooling your children. That's where we are in the culture today. I feel so strongly about that. 
There's a very clear reward. Train up a child in the way he should go in Proverbs 22. See you tomorrow.